When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 99. Got the 99er, Steve, and uh, one away from the big 100. Got a big show ahead today talking about hidden values, looking at guys who are rostered in way less leagues to potentially backfill for injuries, the worst part of fantasy baseball, but very much looking forward to it. Thank you guys, as always, for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Today's Thursday, May 11th, and Steve, uh, very excited to be talking some names with you today. Uh, just, you know, it's still early in the season, man. I'm, I'm getting kind of a second wave here. How's it going out there? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, this is a, a, a good topic. I, I know we like to do, like, trade shows around this time because now people start, you know, getting into trade mode. It's six weeks into the season, whatever. But maybe it's a little too early, and I think with just the nature of injuries, especially on the pitching side this year, um, I, I don't know if there's like the hard data out there for it yet, but the pitch clock and the fact that like velocities are still the same, so pitchers aren't like easing up, even though they have less time to rest between pitches, I think that's what's leading to a lot more of these injuries. Um, again, there's no... Study that I've, yeah. Yeah, that, I've, yeah. that I've done or that I've seen out there yet, but it just kind of makes sense, like two and two. Um, and then there's also a bunch of hitting injuries, so I, I think it's nice to sort of do a waiver wire, hidden gem sort of show. Um, guys that I think we put around like a 30% or under um, roster ship for Yahoo. So in, in your standard leagues, like these guys should be out there. Um, so uh, cool to highlight some of these guys, highlight lesser roster guys, talk about those guys that we don't normally always talk about. Um, that could potentially be worth an ad, especially if you're dealing with some of these injuries. I know, at, at least in a lot of leagues I play in and a lot of the teams I have, and unfortunately more so in like the weekly leagues where you can't just go out there and swap and, it. And, yeah. yeah, and swap it. Uh, there's just a ton of ton of injuries, not only on the pitching side too. Uh, but, you know, I, I look at some of my teams in, in home leagues, things like that, and they're just absolutely devastated. Like, don't like leagues with multiple IL spots that they are rostering guys just because they can't drop them because they're such important pieces that are hurt. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's tough out there. So hopefully we could highlight some names. I think this is a fun show with uh, some guys that might not be on – like your watch list or anything like that. So um, it, it could be some deeper league ideas or, or deep play ideas for shallower leagues, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think another aspect of that is like, 
Here we are, kind of like six weeks into the season, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, Steve, but it seems like all of those early rush-to-add type of guys, like a lot of the prospects have kind of been pushed Mm -hmm. up this year where they've gotten called up earlier, and then there's kind of your out-of-the-blue breakouts in a way, like a, a Brent Rooker, you know, names like that. It seems like they are all kind of, you know, snatched up already. And now you're kind of at the the earliest dog days of, like, the free agency where you kind of look out there and it's, you know, it feels a little ho-hum, as, as we've said on recent episodes about certain guys, but it doesn't seem like outside of, like, the, the prospect pitcher palooza, there's been a ton, I mean, even, like, Matt Mervis prospect, but, like, a lot of the names we're talking about today, you know, they're just not these aren't guys that necessarily you have to grab the second you're listening to the show. They're, they're guys who, you know, people tend to look at and they think, Oh, it's old news. So it's a little bit deeper dive on, you know, guys who can just kind of help when you're in a pinch, I guess is the way I'd put it. But it's the time of the year where you go to the wire, you sort by like last 14 or last seven, you refresh the page and then you like look at the names and you just like walk away. You do that <laughs> right. five times a day. And then you're uh, like, if, yeah, if you're if like, do more. I want somebody else's yeah, uh, uh, deposit to the waiver ex- wire? Like, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like, am I going to add this guy? Yeah. And you just, it's like there's nothing inspiring about it. But maybe we could spark the fire with a few of these guys and, and give some inspiration. Yeah, I think some of these we already know that we like. Other ones is going to be more of an assessment because there's a reason these guys aren't rostered and, you know, 40% – or there's a reason their roster ship rate is down in like the thirties, 20% things of that nature. So yeah, we got a fun little format. We'll do uh, kind of guys who are injured that you might've been looking to replace and then kind of tackle it by position eligibility. So we'll go ahead and jump in with outfield because you might've been hit like Steve and I both have by an injured Eloy Jimenez who just cannot seem to catch a break. Now he has an appendectomy. Uh, finally, when it was looking like he was breaking out of his slump and, you know, he's, he's dealt with actual muscle issues the past couple years. And now we just get this random appendectomy and he's going to be out till probably mid-June if we're ballparking. Uh, Tyler O'Neill is another one who is, is going to be out for another week and a half with the back issue. So for the outfield... And we can brush through these, Steve, but the first one we got to talk about is Jorge Soler. We brought him up in recent shows, probably a few weeks back, but it's it's worth coming back to because we're in the week that he launched two absolute missiles off of Brandon Fott, moment of silence for all the hype and uh, the shares as well for me personally. So, yeah, went ahead and dropped him in my home league and... Uh, Really exciting ad. Picked up John Gray, who I dropped weeks before. But this isn't about Fott giving up 12 home runs. Uh, this is about Soler hitting a 465-foot missile off of him and then turning around and hitting another like 430-foot bomb. Bring Soler up to nine homers, the 820 OPS that you kind of expect with his pop. Some decent counting stats. The batting average is what we always look out for, and right now it's at 233. That's with a 26% strikeout rate, which, I don't know, it feels like that's right beneath the over-under where I would be excited about Jorge Soler, yet he is rostered in just 20% of leagues. 
I mean, what do we think, Steve? I know we've, we've kind of treaded over this in the past, but we're not too far removed from, you know, when, when he's looked like a fantasy all-star in recent years. So uh, do you think this roster should, should be higher? And is this one that uh, you're kind of rushing to, to add as a replacement for Eloy or a Tyler O'Neill? I think it probably should be higher. Um, the issue is with how hot and cold Soler runs, and I think that roster ship is, is lower because prior to basically the last few games, um, Soler was absolutely ice cold, and I know that because I, I rostered him in a, in a daily league um, towards the tail end of that, that really hot stretch um, where he was hitting a bunch of home runs from like mid-April to yeah. Yeah, just middle weeks Mid to April, late, yeah, pretty much. Middle yeah. weeks April, basically. But then from, like, May on, he basically, like, didn't have a hit up until, like, last week. Um, so I think it might just be bad timing because everything else still kind of is good. Like, you want Solaire to have that mid to somewhat high 20% strikeout rate. And and that's where he's at. And honestly, like the XBA is two sixty five. I don't know if I would buy all the way up to there, but if he's striking out just you know twenty eight, twenty six percent of the time, like he is now, uh, he's going to hit higher than than, than two twenty. He, he hits the ball that hard. Um, you know when he had that monster season uh, in, in twenty nineteen. Uh, he struck out 26.2% of the time, walked a little bit more at close to 11%, but destroyed the K rates right right in, in that line. The, the hard hit data is all still there, obviously. It's looking a lot like that year. Um, so honestly, I, I think that... May, it, it, not saying that there isn't going to be another stretch where it's really hard to, to roster him because he does absolutely nothing you know otherwise it's not like he runs or not like he's like the singles hitter like when he's hitting it's going to be doubles and homers decent spot um, in the lineup though so like at yeah least some yeah. counting some respect for counting sure stats. i know but, it's not a great you know, offense that stretch from mid-april to early may there wasn't really any rbis or anything because there just was was no hits yeah. um but you know when he is hitting the ball he's smoking it like you probably just have to you're better off like benching him the next time he goes through one of those lulls because there probably will be. But honestly, I expect some some batting average reg- regression. Like he was at two sixty eight on April twenty third. Um, he dropped all the way down to two twelve, mm. uh, two oh two. Excuse me on May third, and now he's worked his work slowly worked his way back up to two thirty five. So like. Yeah. Yeah, you met. saw how kind of ice cold he went, but right. it, it was still worth it, right? Like now, you, if you held on, your reward with the the four home runs in eight games, basically. Yeah, I think the the mental note is Solaire is a great add in like a best ball like weekly format yeah, because he's yeah. so streaky yeah. and up and down that that yep. like I'd be willing to bump him up multiple rounds because when it when he is hot it's like you know top 10 power output in the league looking under the hood a little bit at Solaire one thing that kind of jumps off the page is you know just on his savant page like the whiff rates looking in the past at, at breaking stuff 
every every year from like 2022 to 2021, his whiff rate against breaking breaking balls is a 40 percent, 43 percent, 53 percent, 45 percent. This year, that's at a 34 percent. So it's down to like a best ever. And at the same time, his exit velocity is at the highest it's ever been against breaking pitches. So the hope is, I know that he's 31 years old, so it's kind of that Yandy Diaz, like how much are you still developing at 31? But, you know, that could be a path forward to where he's not just doing, you know, all of all of his damage on fastballs. Uh, the 2019 season that you mentioned, Steve, was the one year where he was pretty good against uh, against uh, breaking balls because he had 14 of his, what was it, like 48 home runs came against curves, sliders, etc. Mm-hmm. So, so far he's got three of his nine home runs are against breaking balls. So, the, you know, it's not out of the question that he's kind of working on, on that kind of hole in his swing, if you will. But, yeah, all the power stats are ridiculous. I mean, 96 percentile on barrel rate. Um, yeah, the K rate, like we said, is, is kind of palatable at 26%. So, yeah, I think of all ones, as long as you can kind of offset it with some average floor, like if you do have some sort of uh, contact specialist that's going to lift your average up or if that's how you did your build in the draft, I think Solaire is, I don't know, kind of a, a poor man's Kyle Schwarber in a way. So um, I, I like this one. I think that it is uh, – definitely worth you know a, a backfill especially for like a Tyler O'Neill and, and it can be kind of that you know stream and see what happens as we say um, moving over to our next one we got a couple Oakland A's on today's rundown but this one is JJ Blade, which uh, is a name that has been on prospect radars uh, for a couple of years I think Paul Spore was was a JJ uh-huh. Blade guy uh-huh. originally and uh, still just 25 years old and so far, so good, Steve. I mean, uh, what we're seeing from him in a, in a limited run here where I think it's been, what, let's see, just eight games. So super small sample size, but so far, so good with three homers, a 379 average, uh, 419 OBP, and a 12-12 OPS. Uh, J.J. Blade, you know, this is a guy who's, you know, he's not a zero on speed, but he's not really a, a speed specialist. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really good one on the rundown, Steve. What are your thoughts on on Blade and potentially some opportunity with the A's? Yeah, the the, the story with Blade was that he always had you know really good power. Uh, the scouting grades on the on the power was uh, fifty five raw, uh, fifty game power, so you know pretty good. But hit twenty home runs of the minors last year uh, at AAA, but struck out twenty seven percent of the time. That was always you know the question and and last year when he called up in his um 238 plate appearance sample he had five home runs but struck out close to 30 percent of the time um he always took a walk he, he walked 13 percent of the time last year um and had you know walk rates well in the double digits uh at double a and triple a um but there was concern because you know that high k rate would lead to a high average kind of like you know, this all or nothing power guy with like pretty good game power, but not enough that you could survive with that K rate, right? Like you need Jorge Soler power to survive with a 28% K rate. Right. 
What's become intriguing is that this year at AAA, in 25 games, 119 plate appearances, he struck out just 12.6% of the time while walking 16.8% of the time. And yes, it's a small sample, but that strikeout rate has carried over, and he's striking out just 19.2% of the time uh, in his limited uh, eight-game sample here um, in, in, the, uh, in the majors. So uh, I, I don't know if he struck out today. I'll look it up real quickly. But so that that might be even lower. He uh, did not. If, if two so, for there, five with a homer. There you go. There today. you go. So that that carry is going to look even better um, once the stats are updated on uh, Fangraphs and pitchers and stuff. So um, you know the power obviously has shown. He's got three home runs already. Um, the A's are platooning him, which is kind of frustrating. It's like I saw a tweet about it. I, I forget who it was. Um, Someone on Twitter, it's like, what are the A's gaining for pinch hitting uh, Jesus Aguilar when a when a righty when a lefty comes in to face JJ Boudet? Like, let him face the lefty. Like, what do they have to lose? Um, and eventually, they're going to just trade so many guys that they won't have that option. So, I think it's uh, a good opportunity to jump in on board. Like, this was a a good prospect. Like, he was a first round pick, uh, fourth overall in 2019 so there's a lot of you know talent in there he's just 25 years old um will be 26 i believe in uh in november of this year so it's still just his age 25 season Uh, there's been a a lot less surprising guys that have broke out and put it together and with those k-rate gains like well they really might be uh he's he's that has that much tool. I mean, to go that high in the draft, no matter who you are, you have to have some tools. So I really like what Bode is doing and, and, and think that he's going to be good enough that the A's are going to say, hey, we, we need to see what this guy can do against lefties. Like, why not? Yeah, and against righties, he's hitting cleanup, which is a, a plus. Um, the A's offense isn't like, like, I know they stink, but... The A's offense isn't, you know, it's scrappy. It's, you know, with Ruiz on top and all those steals. Rooker, oh, yeah. like you were saying earlier, you know. Yeah, they've, they've, they're, played, they're scrappy. Uh, they've played banana peel on a few, like, good starting pitchers this year mm-hmm. already where it's like, oh, this is a key matchup. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of get four or five earned runs or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I like it. I'd forgotten uh, – I was going to segue from Soler to Bladé, but he was with the Marlins. Was, so yeah, was he a yeah. piece in the puck? trade i believe it was straight up i believe it was straight oh up. okay there you go yeah. so jj blade just five percent rostered i think that's a really good one and and at this time of year like that, we were talking that would be about, cool if like puck turns into this closer which he kind of already is i yeah. think he got a six save today and then blade broke out that go like a nothing like a nice win-win trade a win-win uh, that, it's that, not that, a challenge cool. trade yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I love it and uh this one i think it's just worth noting that the the upside for this time of year, like this, this is a guy who's kind of higher ceiling than some of the names that, that agree. We talk agree. About. So yeah, yeah, that's that makes this one a little bit unique. Higher than the next two, uh, I think at least. Yes. Well, this one we can segue with the teammate because Ryan Noda, Steve's boy, as uh, it's well <laughs> documented on pitcher list, Ryan Noda just three percent rostered. But this one's close to home, Steve, because this was actually my home league replacement for Eloy Jimenez. Oh, there you go. Because we have uh, some of the plate discipline categories with, like, walks and strikeouts. 
And Noda is is very much much a points league specialist because of his walk rate. So, um, you know, he's got some decent pop uh, and, you know, he can hit doubles. You know, he's got like, I think it's four doubles in his past five games. But the walks are really nice about Bledet, or with uh, Noda. And, yeah, overall right now, like, it, it's looked pretty good. And he's another guy who hits in a good spot in the lineup. So uh, I want to hear your your talk on Noda, Steve, because this has been your guy from day one here. Yeah, um, a guy I wrote up for a bold prediction. I don't know if that's going to come true. Uh, and, I, and I have to look up what the exact bold prediction was. I think it was like 2020 because his minor league numbers last year were something like uh, he hit 25 homers, had 20 steals, and only caught four times. I think I predicted like, you know, 30, 20 or something like that to be super <laughs> bold. Um, I don't think he'll get there because of the steals. But, I mean, hey, if he, if he plays enough, maybe he'll – come close to like 20 or 25 homers you got three already um i need to pick up the pace a little bit there yeah. in the homer department but um yeah i mean it, it's exciting because he's walking 21.1 percent of the time so in an obp league um or or you know a league that rewards walks like yours um it's exciting and on top of that he's barreling the ball 12 percent of the time a 43 percent hard hit rate um a 113.9 max exit velocity so the raw power is there um you know he he, what's surprising is that he's striking out so much and and not really chasing he's got a 20 percent uh uh o swing um which is 96 percentile in the league um but i guess the five percent whiff percentage and eight percentile k rate um kind of goes to show you that you know he he knows it's like joey galonian right like he's not going to swing at any balls but he's going to miss a lot when he swings uh, as shown by his 64.6 percent contact rate um so there definitely is a lot of swing and miss in that game you would love if that came down to like 28 percent like it was in the minors last year because then you're talking about like a 250 hitter um with this you know a 400 obp and a guy that could step into a homer or two and if that happens then he's like mixed league relevant but now it might sort of just be a, a placeholder um you know I, I would have expected a few more homers but maybe he'll step into a few more here uh over the last two years in triple a uh, in the minors and double a 29 in 29 homers in 2021 and 25 homers like i said last year in 2022 so there definitely is some power in that bat yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's warming up. He's got, yeah, like I said, four doubles in the past week. Uh, he's got a triple mixed in there. And I think seven walks to three strikeouts in that time, just to, All right, so, to reiterate. Yeah. So, yeah, bad in second. Better on the case, too, yeah. Yeah, and hey, Blade can start knocking him in for some runs. So yeah. that's our uh, A's special there. Moving over to our next kind of backfill outfielder. It's Luke Rayleigh with uh, the Rays, the Red Hot Rays. And Rayleigh's another guy that has some platoon concerns because that's the Rays. But on top of that, you know, the, the, the bat is red hot for Rayleigh. The past couple of weeks, a 1383 OPS with four home runs. Um, he does not take a walk like Noda does. But, man, it looks good under the hood for the 28-year-old Luke Rayleigh, who's Kind of power prime, big guy, six foot four, two thirty five, and yeah, his homer charts are impressive. All fields, 
a lot of no doubters, um, some dead dead center field. So yeah, I think this is uh, an interesting one. It's just you got to stomach the the splits a little bit. It's almost like the you know when you justify a, a Jock Peterson, but Rayleigh right now a, a two sixty two average, a nine thirty OPS, and eight homers on the season. So. Uh, the counting stats drag down a little bit because of the platoon factor, but he does have 17 RBIs, and when he is in the lineup, he's batting fifth in that great lineup. So, yeah, Rayleigh is interesting, Steve. I, uh, I've i kind of been scared away because of the platooning, but uh, your thoughts on, on Rayleigh, just 5% rostered. The K rate is scary as well, 34.8%. Um, so, and, and, you know, he doesn't have the eye or ability to take a walk like um, – like Noda does, but I mean his his barrel skills and ball uh, you know bat to ball skills are ridiculous right now. Like every stat cast slider, average exit velocity, max exit velocity, hard hit percentage, it's all like ninety four percent of tile and above. And another added bonus, he's been good in the field, eighty six percentile average uh, outs above average, seventy nine percentile sprint speed. So like. You know the Rays. It's another reason, like for the Rays, to get him out there um, when he does have the platoon advantage, which should be two thirds, two thirds of the time. So, like, you know, if, if you have the roster space and like you could add Blade and Rayleigh or Noda and Rayleigh, like you're gonna have a guy to play mostly every night, right? Like, there's the good. There's there's not a good chance that both of them are facing a lefty on a given night. So, um, yes, that's extremely tough to do with, with limited roster space, mm-hmm. but that's a good player. If you could mash the two of them together. Yeah. He's kind of this, you know, we like a late bloomer in terms of prospect. He was in the Dodgers organization. He played 33 games with the Dodgers in his debut season in 2021. So that would have been like an age 26 debut. And then just 22 games with the Rays in the majors last year. He struggled both with the Dodgers and the Rays in those 55 games. But in AAA last year with the Rays, he had 14 homers in just 63 games. So I think, you know, prorating him out, at least if, you, if you're kind of squinting and saying that's his, his upside, you know, 25 homers isn't out of the question. If Obviously, he's on a pace for well well beyond that so far in just 26 games he's got eight but he's obviously running hot right now I think it's one of those where if you're in a a real pinch you can uh you know stream if if it's a week with not a lot of lefties for the Rays um but yeah I mean it's a hot bat and you can kind of deal with the the 30 percent K rate if he's hitting bombs this often so uh yeah I like it with Rayleigh as well uh, last one, and this is not a like for like, although it is an outfielder, but just thought it'd be good to bring Lane Thomas back on the rundown because I feel like he was a super popular mm-hmm. sleeper pick going into 2022 last year, leading off for the Nats. This was, I think, before we realized how much of a dumpster fire the Nats offense would become. Uh, but now we're, we've all moved on, right? And Lane Thomas is just 12% rostered. However, the surface stats look pretty good. He, he's hitting 278, uh, 331 OBP, a 722 OPS. 
A little bit of power speed, three homers, three steals, and the counting stats aren't terrible. 20 runs, 17 RBIs. He had a home run today, so that's actually up to four. Um, You know, I don't know that this is a guy that StatCast is going to love because he's kind of high ground ball rate. He sprays to all fields. But it is worth noting that, you know, all of those kind of savant sliders under the hood look pretty dismal. Um, just curious if there's anything that you're you're caring about with Lane Thomas, Steve, or if this is, you know, kind of just in the discard pile. No, I, I think it's worth worth our attention. Um, there was a reason why uh, we we liked him a lot going into last year. Um, it, it, there there was the story that you know if he could maintain. So, uh, so any bit of his barrel rate that he had in 2021, that 7.3%, the speed that he showed, um, decent uh, plate skills. He walked 14% of the time, struck out just 24% of the time in 2021. Um, Those skills have kind of deteriorated a little bit, but not enough that I think you should just discard him. Um, Yeah, this isn't going to be a... a bright red or anything sort of stack cast page, but I think that this is kind of the player that we write off too quickly. If sliders aren't uh, to our liking, um, you know, there, there is some sign of pop and the fact that he has four home runs already um, kind of goes to show you that like there could be, uh, you know, uh, a 15, 15 sort of season with, an average that isn't going to kill you um, that despite there not being like the most amazing underlying skills, that's still useful in our game. So um, a sort of a long winded way of saying like, I wouldn't just write him off just because of, of, you know, uh, data on his stack has page that doesn't look great despite you know a, a low xba and you know it could be screaming regression all year but like yeah his, his xba might be 230 all year but if he hits 280 it's 280 who cares like right like you know he's a speedster that that hits some ground balls without the shift um you know there, there could be a few extra hits in there so um and I, it's it's Sometimes we overlook guys on bad teams too, um, and if he's mm-hmm. leading off all day, uh, every all, every day for for this team, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, I was going to bring up the shift too. Just that that ground ball rate with that sprint speed is a nice little combo when mm-hmm. you can't shift like you used to. So it, it's at least one to watch. I think super deep leagues, um, you know, fifteen teamers, he could be like in you know util or, or five outfield leagues. Uh, just because, yeah, he should get some some runs there, should help out a little bit with steals. So that's Lane Thomas, and that wraps up our outfield list. Uh, breaking off the rundown a little bit, Steve, because we don't really have an injured third baseman of note, but it could be uh, it could be a stretch like Yohan Moncada, or maybe if you're just you know suffering with the lack of production from third base. Uh, Casey Schmidt is just a name I wanted to bring up. He's also, I think he's played shortstop. Uh, he's third base eligible. And I want to say he played some other stuff in the minors. I don't have it right in front of me. But Casey Schmidt, number four prospect from the San Francisco Giants. He got called up and he's looked really good so far. 
Um, of course, it's just been like two games. It, it's more of a watch list guy than anything, but so far, uh, four for eight. He homered in his debut. Uh, he got a double today as well. So um, he's a guy that he, he's got a pretty good raw power score on, on fan graphs. He's a good fielder, so I think that super util. Um, it's not a guy like Edward Julian where he plays all over because he's bad at defense and they're just trying to cause the least amount of damage. He's a defensive plus. So I think the Giants could be an organization that just kind of use him in that, you know, Brendan Donovan type of role where they just move him around. Um, but, you know, that said, I, I know you pointed out Steve Crawford's getting ready to come back. So I don't know how much there is on this one, but just think it's it's a little interesting. I mean, last year, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in 2023, in AAA, uh, you know, he was hitting pretty well. He had a 313 average, uh, OBP around like 765. So a little bit of speed um, as well. But yeah, Casey Schmidt, that's with two T's on the last name if you're searching him. But uh, more of a watch league guy than anything, I think. Right, Steve? Yeah. And I mean, he, he played in three levels last year, which I think kind of put him on the map. Uh, Prospect wise, he had 17 homers in high A and finished the year at Triple A. Um, played a shortstop, I think, exclusively at Triple A this year, um, but you know has played third, I think, also outfield a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he kept the K rate in check in the minors. Uh, like you said, it was a 762 OPS, so nothing jumping off the page. But I mean, he's homered already um, in, in his first game, so. Uh, yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And, you know, even I think it'll be telling and might be worth a shot if he isn't the corresponding move when Brandon Crawford's activated. Uh, if he does stay up, then I, I think they may give him uh, a, a bit of run here. So that's just something to monitor as Crawford sort of comes back. But it's definitely a, an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, because I think they got Brett Wisely in yep. center field yeah. right now, and uh-huh. he's like uh-huh. batting 175 on the year. Um, I don't know. Is so is Hanniger back and healthy? That roster. I think, Han- I I think, think he just I, came. I back. think Han- yeah. Hanniger just came back. Yeah, yeah like last week. Um, yeah, but um, I think they're dealing with with a few other injuries too. Um, so th- there could be some opportunity there, and if they do want to like play him. A, Oliver, I mean, he's obviously good enough defensively to play shortstop. At least they believe that. But um, yeah, Darren Ruff just got designated for for assignment. Cal uh, Stevenson sent down. Um, so yeah, there, there there's definitely some opportunity to be had uh, in, in that in that giant step chart. Like, there's no one that. I'm like, oh, you know, oh, they have to get this guy playing time. Like David VR. Hasn't been great. Austin Slater, too. Um, so uh, there's definitely uh, some opportunity in San Francisco. He could take a role, at, at any number of them, and, and sort of run with it. Yeah. Um, Dave VR slashing 151, 245, um, 326. So, yeah, not great. Yeah. I, certainly doing what he can right now to make the argument. So that's Casey Schmidt. And we're going to move on to pitchers, some relievers, and a long list of starting pitchers we're keeping an eye on. But we're going to take our first ad break, and then we'll be right back. 
Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. So Steve, moving to Jose Alvarado, you know, bummer to see the the elbow inflammation. That's always, you know, just seems like the precursor and some pretty scary updates. I don't know if um, we've heard anything more on Alvarado's status, uh, but, you know, it definitely looks like he's going to be shelved for a while. Uh, I guess it does say he doesn't have any structural damage. Um, so he'll be re- reevaluated. We have to stay tuned, but everyone's looking for closer help in general. So looking for guys, I mean, there's, there's ones, um, you know, Jason Adam comes to mind that's, that's striking mm-hmm. out the side for the Rays, and even once Fairbanks comes back, he's a good option. But he's rostered in, you know, north of 50% of leagues. I think uh, a, a good one you pulled out here is kind of a speculative one is Mark Leiter Jr., uh, for the Cubs, who appears to be second in line after he just got a save uh, the other night, 28% rostered. Uh, what do you see in Mark Leiter Jr., Steve? Yeah, like you hinted at in the earlier show, like those those jobs that we weren't sure of, these guys that you have to scramble to get the, the closer jobs and, and ads uh, early in the season, like those guys are already gone, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, unless someone starts to like really blow up and lose their job here. Um, there aren't any like undetermined roles, but I think Mark Leiter Jr. has an opportunity here. Uh, I think Brad Boxberger is potentially first in line currently. Um, I know Michael Fulmar was attempted to get the job early in the season, but he was really bad and they quickly pivoted to Boxberger. But I think the most talented arm uh, in this bullpen, in this sneaky kind of good bullpen, I know there's Albert Azalei too. That's another name to keep an eye on, but... I think that might be Mark Leiter Jr. right now. He's got a 38.5% K rate. Um, it's backed up by a 15.8% swing strike rate. Um, he's not like your prototypical closer in the fact that he only has a 91.4% a 91.4 uh, mile an hour fastball. And the walks are a bit high at 9.2%. But I mean, hey, um, when you're striking out close to 40% of the batters you face, and then 42% of the balls in play are ground balls. Like you can kind of live with that. Uh, and in the past, he has run really, really high ground ball rates, close to 50%. So maybe if that can trend up without killing the K rate too much, um, you know, there, there could be uh, some room for, for, uh, or, or, or he could take a, a closer job and run with it uh, with those sort of numbers. So, I am definitely intrigued by what Mark Leiter Jr. is doing and think that he could be a closer sooner rather than later for Chicago. 
Yeah, he's got the uh, the splitter that is, if you go out and check out Pitching Ninja, there's uh, him striking out the side multiple times with the splitter this season. So, yeah, the whiff rate is elite. And, yeah, this is an interesting one. I know we talk about it for, you know, more like industry leagues, TGFBI, things like that. You kind of have to, or it's at least smart to get the speculative closer before it's going to cost you like 300 dollars of your fab budget if you can do it like a week early and it seems like this week would be a really good one to to grab lighter if he's available in that league so yeah the worst comes to worst you throw him in your lineup for a week and you get a bunch of k's too right yeah k's and in, in the ratio so it's it's looking good with the yeah the 113 era the 0.94 whip um so yeah i, I really like this one it's a good name uh, jumping to starting pitchers, which everyone needs help all the time with starting pitching, but especially for the Max Freed managers out there, as it looks like we just found out with his forearm issue, he's going to miss at least two months. And teammate Kyle Wright also will miss at least two months, possibly longer because it's the same shoulder he's had issues with before. So definitely a, a bummer there for, for Braves fans and also for anybody who who rostered uh, those guys but the most exciting thing uh, on the rundown tonight probably Steve is this our show is kind of the Yuri Perez show because Marlins just announced that he's getting called up to start this Friday and Perez uh, yeah if, if you missed it he's he's been pretty much like a top three pitching prospect his name was thrown around in the same list in the preseason as Andrew Painter, Grayson Rodriguez, and Perez is a guy with just like a top, top fastball, uh, very good slider as well, uh, curve and changeup, all very good. He has good command. Um, just last year, from what we saw of him in double-A, uh, 12.19 Ks per nine. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is, this is somebody who should, as long as he doesn't pull a Brandon Fott, come in and, and basically have the type of strikeout numbers that immediately grab your attention. And this is a guy that right now is just 11% rostered, but you can probably expect by the end of Thursday that number will be up to about 30% rostered in most leagues. So, Steve, what are your thoughts on Perez? I know we, we spent so much time preseason talking about Painter. I got to admit, this is earlier than I thought Perez would be up. I thought maybe July, August, but he's here. Definitely earlier, and there was like, uh, there was a moment like in spring training where we they didn't know where he was being assigned. Like, was it AAA? Was it AA? AAA would be aggressive. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't aggressive enough since they're promoting him directly from AA. Not that that's not that um, uncommon anymore. Um, but I would think that Perez is a must add in, in any league. Like, He's got a 21.2% swing strike rate, uh, a 51.6% ground ball rate. Uh, absolutely, like if you're building a pitcher, like it, it's it's Jerry Perez. He's like absolutely massive. He's super super tall, six foot eight. Um, like has like an easy high 90s fastball, like effortless, repeatable motion, like everything that you want to hear about a pitching prospect. Like this guy has it. Um, you know the the walk rate is seven point seven percent this year. You know nothing that's going to kill you or anything like that. So, um, really, really exciting. And I would 
basically any league, if he's out there, he's worth at le- at the very least a flyer on this first start. Like because it could be sort of a set it and forget it, um, and might be. I mean, unless Painter gets healthy, like this might be the last biggest pitching prospect that comes up, uh, and could potentially be the biggest and most impactful one. Honestly, that's how good this guy's stuff is. Yeah, six foot eight. That is. Uh... You know, no, no question. His extension is probably having that fastball play up mm-hmm. even more. Um, so yeah, he gets the Reds this Friday, and then hopefully, you know, if it's smooth sailing, I think they just keep him up. I mean, looking at their rotation right now, he's just 20 years old. So, you know, the the innings could be kind of a, a question mark, but yeah, right now in that rotation, it, yeah, it's really Sandy, Braxton, Garrett, Lazardo, Cabrera. And Yuri Perez as the fifth. So I think, um, I don't know, it's like uh, Trevor Rogers is on the IL, but honestly, Braxton Garrett hasn't been phenomenal. Like, I uh, think Edward Cabrera's walking absolutely everybody. So, yeah. So, I mean, we talked about Brandon Fodd earlier, but it's also worth noting that this is the Marlins. I mean, they're right there with Cleveland when it comes to developing pitchers. So, yeah, this is uh, the, probably the, the biggest rush to add of the entire show. So go out, yeah. add Yuri Perez if he's available. Uh, next, looking at the Twins, another organization that we've been complimentary of uh, the pitching development that uh, Wes Johnson's been doing there with Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan. Louis Varland is, uh, you know, back for, you know, we saw kind of the cup of coffee last year, but this year in three starts, He's had a, a 4.32 ERA, a 1.38 WHIP, but his most recent start on Tuesday of this week against the Padres caught our attention with uh, six innings, six strikeouts. I think just one earned run against the Padres. Uh, touched almost 99 miles per hour with his fastball. Um, you know, it sat 96, so definitely some velocity for Louis Varland. And yeah, I think for being just 14% rostered, Steve, this is another good one where it's like, I think I've got enough trust in what the Twins are doing and what we've seen from Varland where I'd feel pretty confident at least just seeing where this goes. Uh, But what are your thoughts on Varland for the Twins? I am uh, very, very interested um, in in Louis Varland. the stuff numbers really, really popped um, in the minors this year. Um, there was some excitement even before he had that start in Yankee Stadium where he struck out eight batters. He gave three home runs, which kind of tempered the expectations, and then it was just a spot start, so he was sent down. Um, I actually added him in a few leagues before that Chicago start last week, and despite, again, six Ks and four and two-thirds innings, uh, it was four home runs, and the velocity and stuff wasn't great. But it was a really cold, like, disgusting night uh, in, in Chicago. Um, and, like, it's an outlier in terms of, like, fastball velocity and just velocity on all of his pitches. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the game log and just the, the Savant fastball, there was, like, a dip in that second start, and then it goes back up into the third to, to around where it was. So um, I think those two starts are more indicative of how – good his stuff is and despite that he still had the six k's right um and i know it was kind of like a disappointing matchup because of when the white Sox were really really scuffling um and he was a popular stream and didn't get you exactly what you wanted um but 
I, I just think the stuff is, is really, really good, and he is absolutely like a great candidate for anyone uh, that's dealing, and I guess that's everybody dealing with starting pitching injuries. Uh, I know that um, Tyler Molle was transferred to the 60-day IL. Um, Keta Maeda is, is hurt again and has been basically hurt all year uh, long despite uh, you know having an impressive start uh, his first start back and there being some excitement with him coming back from Tommy John, but he can't catch a break. He's been hurt like every which way. So um, I think Varlin is going to get some run here uh, and, and we see what, what the, what the twins can do with, uh, with their pitchers. They get the most out of them. Um, and I think Varlin has a lot of stuff and, and that, that could go even further with, with how good uh, the coaching staff is there in Minnesota. So, I really, really like Farland uh, as more than just like a streamer. I think he could be a good long-term play. Yeah, not to throw cold water on it, but that might be what you sign up for. I mean, it gets good this weekend. Like if you're in a a daily transaction league on Sunday, he gets the Cubs um, Mm -hmm. at home, which is, uh, I would say, a plus matchup. And then after that, unfortunately, he goes at the Angels and then home against the Blue Jays. So it gets a little bit tougher from there. Uh, but nonetheless, I think with the strikeout maybe, maybe upside. That, maybe that'll mean he'll be available, right, if there's not, like, these juicy matchups. Uh, yeah. You know, could could be dropped if they're like, oh, I don't want to start him versus the Blue Jays. But honestly, with his with his stuff at home, I, I'm, I'm probably going to be starting him there. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's a, a good note that if he gets – dropped because he gets roughed up by the the angels for instance it you know take a look at the strikeouts uh the walks see if he's uh you know still got kind of the stuff and the swing and miss that you're talking about and it could be a nice opportunity to buy back in on louis varland moving along to another pitching option and clark schmidt is a guy that you liked steve coming into the season and it's you know there's been some volatility but uh, recently, granted, it was against the Athletics. Six innings, a win, seven strikeouts, just a three ERA and a 117 whip. And what really caught my eye for Clark Schmidt is right now he is 13th overall in PLV, um, which, you know, I, I feel like the stuff is there. And, and somebody uh, on Twitter, I forget who, who had it out there, but they mentioned that, like, they could see Brandon Fott turning into a Clark Schmidt where it's, like, good – Good stuff, but the occasional rough ratios by the end of the season, so on and so forth. But yeah, Clark Schmidt just twenty percent rostered. You know the K rate is there at twenty six point two percent, and the slider gets good whiffs. Uh, twenty nine hundred RPMs on that, which is way above. You know that's that's up there. I mean, anytime you're flirting with three thousand, that's like one of the nastiest sliders in terms of movement. Um, and he doesn't walk the yard either. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got a sub-7% walk rate. So Clark Schmidt's probably, without even looking, in terms of K-BB guys that are out on the free agency and certainly rostered under 30%, he's got to be a leader. Uh, the problem is he's just been so hittable. So curious your thoughts on Clark Schmidt. Um, it, it looks like if he can locate a little bit better because a lot of the stuff that you want to see, like high – high fastballs or high sinkers and and then you know the low breaking stuff he leaves a lot over the middle of the plate and it seems like that might be hurting him but i'm pretty interested in just the strikeout and and walk numbers so 
Do you think there's anything here with Schmidt? Yeah, and the models all love him. I know, like, Stuff Plus loves him. Eno was big on him in the preseason. Um, and, like, the the models still pop. PLV loves him, obviously. Um, and, and just by the stuff and the, and the strikeout and walk numbers, like, this isn't a five ERA guy. Like, you know, I know the X stats still are pretty good, are pretty ghastly, like a 597X ERA, but... I mean, when you're giving up that much contact, uh, at least for the first few starts, and have a 20% homer to fly ball rate, like, yeah, th- th- those aren't aren't going to be good. But I think he could be like what his xFIP says he is a three seven nine ERA guy. Um, and if he has a high three ERA and eleven strikeouts per nine, like that's a good fantasy starter. That's a good back end fantasy starter with K's. A lot of those times those back end fantasy starters don't get you the strikeouts. Clark Schmidt will get you the strikeouts. Um, so I, I, I still like it. Um, I, I've streamed him recently and dropped him. I'm kind of kicking myself for, for dropping him, but um, you know, I, I think there could be um, some good stuff in here. I know Nick kind of said he can kind of move it on uh his next matchup I don't think is is great. Um, but I, I don't know if we're going to get like the absolute clunkers and like weak killers like we had with regularity uh, in, in the past. Um, so uh, I, 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 li- I still like Clark Schmidt and, and I'm a believer. I think, uh, you know, a 380 Babbitt, but 69% left on base percentage and a 20 homer to fly ball ratio, 20% homer to fly ball ratio are all due for some regression to better numbers. Yeah, he's got uh, the Rays next, and then it's at Cincinnati. So, you know, it, it's it's not great matchups, but I think if he gets through the Rays and it looks anything like his past couple starts, uh, because, you know, he had, he had uh, what was it, no zero earned against the, the Guardians two starts ago, and then the last time out against the A's, uh, just two earned runs in six innings. But, yeah, he's he's gotten – Eight strikeouts against the Blue Jays, eight strikeouts against the Rangers this season. So, nice little K streamer, if nothing else. But I'm I'm interested. This is stuff that's harder harder to find on the wire. Um, if he can settle down and, and get the ratios in check, like you're saying, like high threes, low fours, even I, I think you'd take with the fact that he doesn't really issue that many walks. So, uh, yeah, that's Clark Schmidt, 27 years old. I think you know he's still we're still kind of learning about Clark Schmidt that he, he hasn't really started that much leading up to this point. I mean, this is, he has eight starts this season and prior to this season, he only had five starts. So uh, this is, yeah, all a little bit finding his feet with the Yankees. So uh, I'm interested. The next one, I don't even love throwing this out, Steve, because I, I feel like we've moved on from Mike Clevenger as a fantasy community, and, and certainly he comes with his issues off the field and some nonsense on the field with his walk-up music, not to get into that, but the past couple outings uh, did catch my attention because Clevenger reintroduced the cutter, and while the the pitch itself has not gotten great results with the cutter, um, which was a pitch he had in the past, but he went away from it at the start of the year, it did kind of unlock some good results, whether or not it was directly because of the cutter but the slider really played up for him uh he's gotten some really good whiffs in his past two outings 15 strikeouts and 11 innings 
He's still walking quite a bit of guys, Clevenger. Um, but he has the Royals as this podcast releases. He's pitching against the Royals on Thursday. So that is a start that I'd want to watch and see. I know it's a light matchup, but are the walks in check? Is this another one where he's getting seven, eight strikeouts? And if it is, uh, you know, we've obviously seen Clevenger in the past be a fantasy stud. So, um, you know, that's it's a long time removed from that. And the White Sox haven't been great. Uh, Giolito's kind of riding the ship, but, you know, Cease and, and Lynn, it's been, it's been rocky. So I'm not looking at that organization the same way with we are with the, the Twins and the, the Marlins and everything. But I don't know. Clevenger, just 26% rostered. For him to just be sitting out there with, with the history that he has and kind of the the slider generating whiffs. I'm at least intrigued here, Steve. I don't know if uh, if you are or if you're just out altogether. Maybe I would consider him as a streamer now. I mean, when he was that elite starting pitcher, he was throwing 95-5, uh, averaging with the fastball. It's, last year was down to 93-5. This year it's back up to 94-6. Uh, you know, still a, a mile per hour off. Um, and... Even more so, what's more concerning is the swing strike rate. It's just at 8.4%. Um, you know, he was running 12, 15% when he was that really good fantasy uh, ace, basically, um, that he was in Cleveland. Uh, so he's still a long way off of that. I guess with this recent news and the cutter and the recent good results, I would consider him as a streamer, but not much more than that. Like, uh, the Royals have been kind of a bit. You know they've had some offensive explosions, including uh, on Wednesday night versus Lance Lynn. So that might be a bit of a trap game. Uh, I, I would be a little scared to, to throw Clevenger out there. Like I could see crooked numbers on his line, basically any given given night. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm talking myself out of it here. Yeah, the last two outings, uh, 14 whiffs and 12 whiffs. So that's gone up a little bit since yeah. then. Yeah. But it, you know. Mm-hmm you know, the smallest of sample sizes. I guess that goes to show you what it was before that, right? Yeah, very, very, very Basically no whiffs, yeah. So, yeah, see what happens with the Royals. Uh, I think watch list more than anything, but, yeah, good points. And uh, moving right along to Chase Silseth, who should replace Jose Suarez this weekend with the Angels. And Silseth, I want to say we saw... uh, We did. Yeah, last, last year, year seven starts. Well, yeah. He had uh, yeah, uh, not not great, but um, this year, Steve, I think there's a little bit more reason for optimism. Talk talk about Silseth. This is a guy that is available in all leagues and and probably one that you could kind of get on the cheap in uh, you know some of the NFBC leagues as well. Yeah, at the, in in the Discord and Pitcherless Discord, a lot of the guys call him uh, Chase Filth Seth, uh, just because the stuff is is good. Um, and there was some excitement about him last year. The results obviously weren't great. But this year in 20 innings in four AAA starts, he has a .9 ERA, a .9 whip, uh, 20 strikeouts in 20 innings, uh, and a 60.9% ground ball rate. Um, you know, he's got a mid-90s fastball. This stuff's never been a question. Like, this guy is a legit good prospect with good stuff. Um that deserves your attention despite the poor results last year. Um, and, you know, the, the, there's easily a way that he's one of the better um, starting pitchers on the Angels. Uh, so I, I could see him carving out a role um, 
even if Suarez is like a minimum stint or anything like that. He he definitely has more skills uh, than Jose Suarez. So um, worth a, a watch list at at least. And I, honestly, I would consider streaming him versus Cleveland this weekend. Yeah, I'm trying to take a look at what game they actually have him lined up for. I don't know if you have that, Steve. Cause I, was I gonna... don't. Um, I believe I was gonna he pitched, push it out. I believe he, I believe he pitched Monday and was went like three innings, which is kind of like you know that's what they did with like Luis Ortiz. Like they had him do his regular start, just a few less innings, so that he could be ready to go. Um, so they haven't announced anything. I don't think official yet, but I think Suarez's turn uh, was coming up this weekend, um, and he could slide right in that spot. Okay. Well, yeah, I think if you look at their upcoming matchups, he might get the Orioles on the road or he might get the Twins at home, which isn't a terrible matchup there uh, for for next week. So, yeah, really, really good note there, especially with what he's doing in the minors. And, yeah, Phil Seth, uh, 2% rostered, definitely one for the watch list. Uh, Steve, this is a guy that's probably been been dumped from a lot of teams, mm-hmm. and there might be a, quite a bit of value that we'll get to next, but we are going to take our final ad break, and we'll be right back. Matt Strom, Steve, is the name, and it's one that uh, I feel like we were in on for years and years and then out on, and then, boom, with the Phillies, he just kind of breaks into this super pitcher, and then he gets moved to the bullpen, and and now it's kind of like everyone is, is just dropping Strom. So in terms of what we've seen this year, yeah, there's been some hiccups with the ratios, but the strikeout numbers have been incredible for Strom. And the whole time I was just thinking, like, they have to find a way to keep him in the rotation, mm-hmm. but they didn't. So even with his 40Ks over just shy of 29 innings, and at 314 ERA, a .94 whip, Strom's now in the bullpen. So are you viewing this as just kind of a take the ratios and strikeouts in the bullpen until he gets back into the rotation? Or what are your thoughts with Strom right now? I think so. And I think it's take the ratios, take the strikeouts um, until he's basically back in that rotation. Like I think this might be a move to sort of keep him healthy, a way to – you know that no team's really been able to do before. Like the highest he's thrown in the major league level, uh, innings wise, is 114 with San Diego back in 2019, um, and you know the results weren't nearly um, as good as what we were getting um, last year when he wasn't more of a bullpen role with Boston, and then this year uh, in the starter, and then that one relief appearance. I could see him being like a two, three inning guy for a stretch coming back into the rotation if and when there's another injury um and then you know playing around with starts around the all-star break things like that maybe another stretch where they move him to the bullpen um just to sort of keep him healthy um because that's sort of always been um an issue with strom uh, you know the stuff's always been good but it finally looks like it's all coming together and maybe if they all this is more just in innings play and a way to to keep him healthy and, and eventually insert him back into the rotation. Like it's sort of the perfect guy to slide into like an RP spot, collect some good innings and ratios. Uh, he even got a save in his first relief appearance. Uh, 
you know, it was one of those where it became like a safe situation or, or you know, he came in in a closer game and finished it out um, so they didn't go to a reliever on the end. Um, so, you know, there, there could be some sneaky value, and I think sort of a, it's sort of a bet that, hey, this guy was good for them in the rotation. They have some loose ends as far as, like, Bailey Falter at the end of the, their rotation that he – should be better than I know uh, Ranger Suarez is back, but mm-hmm. there's been some up and downs for him as well too. So if that doesn't go as smoothly as they hope, maybe they'll turn to Strom uh, and put him back in the rotation sooner rather than later. Yeah, Strom, I mean, the the, the slider that he kind of introduced or, or tweaked this year um, has been a game changer for him where he's thrown it it's his second most common pitch he goes to and a really nice whiff rate on that. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned, falter has got to be the one that, that would make way. I mean, he has just not looked good. His past couple outings, uh, ERA over 10, he doesn't have the strikeouts that you, you get with Strom and I could see that happening. I think the one other note is painters timetable is still sometime in July. So, you know, between now, you know, it's it's probably like the next six or eight weeks. Now, all of that's pending that Painter comes back healthy, but the reports have been that once Painter is ready, they want him pitching with the Phillies, not at AAA. So that would be one more mouth to feed in that rotation. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think Falter makes way, and, and you know, Taiwan Walker is at the, in the fifth slot in that rotation. So I think he... He proved that he can do the job if they give him the opportunity, and I think it it makes sense to try to just get the the ratios and strikeouts, especially in those deeper leagues. So, I like that there for Strom. Anything else to to add there, Steve? No, um, I mean Painter just started throwing from like 120 feet, and like the next step then is mound work. So, still a a ways away there too. Uh, just as a note. Yeah. No. Good point. I think we'll be. Celebrating Painter Day, Steve. I know I've got him in Hope a few so. leagues. Hope so. Hope if, so. If it comes, yeah. Hope so. Uh, the last two is kind of in our, our miscellaneous bucket here, but Francisco Alvarez, obviously a, a really big prospect, and you know, kind of the Gary Sanchez vibes. Not to curse it, but anytime you hey, the he, Mets signed uh, Gary Sanchez to a minor league deal yesterday, I believe. Well, there you go. It's it's karma. But Alvarez, we we looked at the catcher slot or the catcher eligibility and just his ability to crush baseballs. Last year in AA and AAA across 112 games, he hit 27 homers. Um, You know, the average kind of hovered around like 250, 260. Uh, But for a while, the Mets called him up and they just weren't playing Alvarez. And now he's been getting run at catcher. Uh, They said that they weren't going to use him at DH, and they have yet to do that. But he's just coming off of a two-homer game. I think he's played like five of the last six games for the Mets. So Francisco Alvarez, this one's less of a injury replacement and more just, you know, it's it's a notable one because he's just 14% rostered. And, yeah, I mean, as we record tonight, he went 0 for 3. He did get a walk in there. But overall with, with Alvarez, Steve, I think this is just such a big prospect that, you know, could walk into 25 homers if he had the playing time. Um how do you kind of handle this? Like, it doesn't seem like catcher one or, or one catcher leagues. He's necessarily a starter yet, but he's probably right on the fringe, right? 
Yeah, and I think that his playing time is only going to increase. Like the Mets are having such a rough go of it on all ends. Um, you know, with the Scherzer injury, their lineup hasn't been great. Um, outside of you know Alonzo, basically, um, who was cold for like a week or two, but I think it's homeward now back to back games. Um, so they need Alvarez's bat in the lineup. Like they're not going to get any production from like Tomas Nito and like. You can't be the the difference in in you know game calling and fielding and Alvarez is actually I think rated uh, a really good framer which is kind of surprising. Um, you really thought of him as this bat first guy, but I think it's only a matter of time before Alvarez takes the starting job and runs with it. Um, and with that will come the power. Like there's no question um, that he'll contribute enough with the bat if he gets this full-time role so you know in a weekly fab league if he's out there like this would be the time to get him on the cheap where you're sort of betting on him eventually getting that starting role full-time and i think i think he will i think it's just a matter of time before they start playing him more and more so there you go that's francisco alvarez uh, definitely a, a power surge if you need it and just 14 percent rostered Moving to our last one, Jordan Diaz, who is coming off of a three-home run game against the Yankees. I feel like every major stat we've talked about this whole year has been against the Yankees. But Jordan Diaz, just 22 years old, and hits three home runs in a game, and he crushed a handful of these. I mean, 106 mile per hour off the bat. What's crazy is that none of the three home runs were even his hardest hit of the season. Um you know, it's it's in Oakland A, and it's a guy that we haven't heard a whole lot about. But at this point, in 16 games, Jordan Diaz, second baseman, has a, a 267 average, uh, four home runs, eight RBIs. And, I mean, overall, Steve, I think we have to at least assess if this guy could be, you know, a watch list or a guy that we want to slot in because he's second base eligible, I think, in some leagues – I thought that he had some some third base eligibility as well, but uh, Diaz is is a name that I think we've got to break down a little bit to see what the the interest level is. Uh, your thoughts on the young second baseman for the A's? I think there was some interest in him last year when he got called up. He sort of broke out a bit. He had 19 homers across two levels. Um, had a 120 WRC plus, a double A, a 129 WRC plus. Uh, 928 uh, OPS at AAA. I think that might be that AAA definitely is the PCL for Oakland, so might be inflated there, but still 29% better than league average um, and struck out just 12.5% of the time. Um, so it's always intriguing when you have that sort of low strikeout rate uh, and, and power combination, which you know, um, you might have here. He's still striking out uh, 29% of the time. He hasn't walked yet um, in his 42 plate appearances. So that's a bit concerning. But, you know, four homers and 42 plate appearances is no joke. So um, the, the power is legit. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, and again, I mean, this is the theme of the episode, like, there's some there's some intriguing stuff fantasy wise uh, going on in in Oakland. I know everything going on with their stadium and the and the move and what they're doing to you the know, essentially keep fans away. Um, 
But there's still some interesting guys here. It just goes to show you that, right, this is what made the A's really good is because they had a good team and then would find a guy like Jordan Diaz or something like that that they could plug in, right? Like, remind you of the heydays of the Oakland A's uh, in the mid to late 2010s um, where they mm-hmm. had some really good teams and, and, you know, had good player development with them. So there's like there's like traces of this good player development uh, in, in Oakland despite everything else going on. So um, definitely a, at least a watch list candidate. And in deeper leagues, like, you know, if you lost like a Ramon Urias or something like that, yeah, uh, to, uh, you know, this is a great uh, fill-in in, in leagues like that. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, everything in AA, AAA last year looked great uh, across both levels in 120 games. Had 19 homers and hit 326. So I know it's the minors, but uh, that that has my attention as a 22 year old. And yeah, they're I mean they're playing in an empty stadium, so maybe it's an easy transition from the minors to playing in Oakland right now. Just feels like <laughs> yeah, the good same, Very good same point. stuff, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that rounds us out. Uh, so Jordan Diaz and Francisco Alvarez were, were those last two. Uh, on the pitching side, we, we talked through Yuri Perez, which we, we view as an absolute must-add in any league size. Louis Varland, very interesting with the strikeout numbers, a little bit of a tough uh, couple starts ahead after this Sunday against the Cubs. Uh, Clark Schmidt with the, the K-BB, looking enticing, but you know a little bit of concerns on how easy he's been to hit. Clevenger, maybe not as much, but just keep an eye on if the the strikeouts continue to climb. Uh, and Chase Silseth, I think, is a really good one, Steve, that, that you pointed out with just 2% rostered, and we should see him this weekend against Cleveland. Uh, and he's been great in the minors. And then Matt Strom, more of just kind of that, uh, you know, bullpen piece until the talent kind of emerges uh, for the pitchers. But... That uh, that wraps up uh, chapter two here for the hidden values. Uh, just in general, Steve. I mean, how the league's going? How's how's the fantasy season going for you? Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's going all right. Um, I wish I was doing better in some of my industry and weekly leagues. I think I, I don't know. Maybe I say this every year and just never learn my lesson. But I think a, a, a real key in, in weekly leagues is just maximizing on playing time. Like. You know, it, it, it like I shouldn't. You know, there, there's there's a league where uh, you know I I think I'm stashing like I had Verlander or something, and then have to stash like a McKenzie, uh, yeah, yeah, or or um, you know, a Kyle Wright, something like that. I think honestly, the move might be to cut those guys. Like if a big pitcher gets hurt and it's more than a minimum stint on the IL, it might not be worth it because they have to build up and all that. Like in a daily league, you're able to add a streamer, drop a streamer, add a streamer the next day. You can't do that in, in weekly leagues. Like you have to add two start pitchers and, you know, everyone's bidding on the same two start pitchers. Uh, it, it's really, really hard to maximize the playing time. And I think that's kind of what you have to do. Um, so lesson learned already, and, and maybe I'll start to do that with, with my fab rather than spend on some big bucks, but use some smaller bids for some big, better streamers to catch up in some um, categories there. Um, but, um, you know, our best ball's not doing too bad. Uh, all right, I'm doing all right in, in my turf league. I think I'm uh, in fourth, a few points behind first. Uh, 
and the home league teams uh, got a strong start so far this year. So um, but we're in the thick of it, and it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, as long as you're not out, you know, this this time of year. There's still, yeah. you know, what are we? TGFBI, I think I am. Fifth but, of the way uh, through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still a long, long way to go. Love it. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Next week is the big episode 100. We're going to have a, a fun rundown for that. Still some actionable advice, but definitely make sure that we can uh, kick back, look back at the 100 episodes that were, and, uh, you know, just talk about some, some WAF favorites. So we appreciate you guys joining for any and every episode, but that rounds us out for episode 99, talking about hidden values. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. That's it for now. We'll talk to you guys next week, but thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks for listening, guys. Later.